Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and get ready for some Jadoon poetry because we're landing in episode 452. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Beautiful. Thank you. Worked hard on it. <laughs> Not quite a haiku, His but pretty close. I syntax was a bit off, I think, mm. on a couple of those. but I don't hear you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good week? I had an exhausting week. We just From fun stuff? Yeah. I mean, we had like three holiday parties. You missed one, by the way. You were supposed to come to. Um, And uh, Billy wound up getting his... uh, He's currently at an internship uh, through Job Corps, and he wound up getting the job. They hired him, so we I had to make him. an emergency run up to Junction City to check out apartments Saturday morning, <laughs> because he's done at Job Corps on the 20th. <laughs> it's like, so where are you going to live after that? Well, okay, I guess we're going to come up and help you look for places. So yeah, it was just a non-stop. I felt bad we had tickets for uh, Festival of Trees. Didn't even go. <laughs> just like, eh, nope, not happening. I went to Festival Trees. <laughs> Did you need tickets? I could have helped you up. Uh, yeah, we paid. We paid for it. But... It's for a good cause. So. Yeah, it is. Was it pretty? It was pretty. Uh, we hadn't been in years, so it's always worth going. Sarah took Gemma. There were some animatronic deer that Gemma liked a lot. <laughs> well, I was off all week last week, as I mentioned, and then um, just did a lot of stuff around the house while catching up. Your staycation. Got all our, almost, almost all of our Christmas shopping done, which is crazy because we're not usually done this early. Nice. Um, I started. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, of course, wrapping presents, so I had to throw in, uh, let's see, what did I watch? I watched Home Alone this year, which I don't normally do, but I was really itching to watch it because I hadn't watched it in a while. Did you watch it on DVD or did you watch it on Disney Plus? Disney Plus. (laughs) (laughs) And then I watched... um, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I always I, that that's like a staple for when I wrap presents. So that one, and then uh, the other thing I watched the other night was a Christmas. Oh, the Santa Claus! I hadn't watched that in a while, so I mm. watched it. Not, I was done wrapping by that time. <laughs> it, it doesn't take me three films to wrap presents. Boy, it does me. Oh, does it? <laughs> that's because Sean gets distracted by the movies. Well, yeah, probably. I do, but I'm also not a very good rapper. <laughs> every everything I wrap it doesn't matter what it is. It's going to look like a bowling ball. He's, by the he's time he's wrapped done, it two so. or three times. Yeah. It doesn't look right. Whole roll of tape just on one package. Yeah, well, that's all I did. I, I watched Christmas movies. That's pretty much all I've watched. Did you guys watch anything? We're halfway through season three of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which just mm-hmm. dropped on Thursday. So we're enjoying that. I hear it's really good. It is good. It's, this season's kind of s- a little slower to get to the comedy. So it's got some drama things that tie up loose ends from last season. But it's getting back to the comedy aspect of things. It's getting funnier, I think. I think it just takes also a little bit to get used <coughs> to their style of humor and getting in that mindset, it takes a little bit to get back into that. Whereas when we watched the first two seasons, they were back-to-back, so we were just able to plow straight into it. 
We've not had this. This is the first time you've had to wait between yeah, the seasons. Yeah, so that's good. I'm enjoying it. Julian brought over a uh, disc full of rando Christmas specials. <gasps> Stuff that I have not seen in like probably since it debuted. <gasps> um, like the can Will I, the Will Vinton. Can I have California can I have? raisins? Can I have? Uh, yeah, it might actually still be upstairs. Oh. Um, which, man, that's the weirdest special ever. <laughs> it is weird. <laughs> it is so weird. Um, what else was on there? There was a Looney Tunes one. There was um, the Mr. Bean Christmas special. I love the Mr. That, Bean That's Christmas the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just had a bunch of oh, random, cool. random stuff on there. Sweet. Nice. All right, well, should we move on to news? Yes, our bit of news this week comes um, in the form of Doctor Who Time Fracture, an immersive adventure. A new immersive adventure is in development by the BBC and will be launched in late 2020 in London. The show, developed by BBC Studios and Immersive Everywhere, will give fans a chance to experience the Doctor's adventures. Now, this is the VR thing, right? No, I get the impression it's a live event. That's the thing that's confusing to me, is that this article doesn't specify what the heck it is other than an immersive adventure. It's it's an immersive theatrical event. That's what I thought. Based on Doctor Who. Oh, is this the David Yates project? No. <laughs> so this immersive adventure promises to put you in the heart of the story... Plunged into a journey across space and time, featuring amazingly realized worlds, the universe as we know it is at stake. Audiences will discover a great challenge lies ahead, and it's time to be a hero, step up, and save the planet. It's an interactive stage show. Okay. Yeah. That's what I kind of thought, but they never actually specified one way or another what it was or how it was going to work, other than these vague, you know... To get you to buy tickets. It's still pretty vague, but it's uh, I, more details. I'm sure will come. But that's that's yeah. what it sounds like to me as an interactive theatrical uh, play. So. That's what that's the impression stage, I got. Stage stage production. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good, neat. good for the UK uh, crowd. Yeah, I just say we won't if get any it. of our listeners we'll get to go. Here, of course, yeah, this is yeah. our plug for sending in some feedback to uh, give us a review of. And if you don't want to time send, fracture, and if you don't want to send feedback, then uh, you could send uh, tickets to fly us over there, and we'll and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll actually, go. We'll pay for we'll the review. tickets to the actual show. Yeah, we pay, pay for, for, the for those tickets as long as somebody else plays for the flight. Yeah, exactly. And hotel. No, we're crashing with Andy. Oh yeah, well, but he's in Cardiff, so <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Okay. Cardiff, Cardiff's it's, right it's, next it's to London, jaunt. right? <laughs> No, I, know. I, I, I know it's hours away. I seem to remember in, I think it was Miracle Day, there was a lot of complaining about a drive and a bridge. <laughs> uh, Still a free place to stay is a free place to stay. I can get true. up early to get somewhere in right. London you, if I need if to. Even if I have to drive six hours to get to. Well, you know, it's probably not that long. It's probably not. It worked for our president. Let's see, what is it? It's four hours by train from London to Paris, and, and Cardiff's, what, halfway, so. It's only three hours. Yeah. A three-hour drive. There you go. A three-hour tour. <laughs> All right. Well, should we move on to our feedback? Our feedback comes from Jamie. Jamie writes, Hello, Vortexers. Episode 166. So this was about the time when you were discussing Lego and Doctor Who. We have a Lego Doctor Who set that's come and gone. and was a bit too expensive for me. 
We sort of have a LEGO Doctor Who video game in LEGO Dimensions. I would love a LEGO video game or series of video games where we get to play Doctor Who TV stories. You also brought up the animated missing episodes. Or you also brought up animating missing episodes. One question, I can't remember if this one was brought up or if it's a question of my own, but when do you think they'll animate the wheel in space? <laughs> it's an ideal candidate. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny that we are, we <laughs> how, just talked last work? week of during the Macrotera about the 11 minutes they animated, and they probably are done. Jamie, I'm going to direct you to last week's show. <laughs> Episode uh, 451. <laughs> I could see them going for Wheel in Space as the last Cyberman story yet to be animated. The Moon Base, an enjoyable story, and as a second outing for the Cybermen, it works well. Troughton is a delight, and really the only downside is that Jamie gets... A few moments, and then spends most of the story in a delirium. Personally, I like this one better than Tomb. The animation, the other big thing about this story in the modern era, is also done well. The Nameless City. I vaguely remember this one, and I remember enjoying it. The inclusion of the Master was done well. Hang on a second. The Vagueless, the Nameless City? What is that? That, that is was the... one of the Puffin E shorts, wasn't yes. it? Which doctor? Two. Okay. Because we paired them up. <coughs> oh, I guess, of course, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that was the one after a big hand for the doctor? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I don't even remember what happened in that. <laughs> I remember a big hand for the doctor, but I do not remember that. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Obviously, it didn't make an impression on us. Apparently not. I had the master in it. Apparently so. <laughs> or as I like to call him, the war chief. Nothing. I, I'm not even going to acknowledge I'm, it, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep poking that bear. Uh, episode 167, The Sandman. I enjoyed this one, but didn't find it overly outstanding. The idea of the Doctor being the villain is an interesting one. So is the idea of the clutch. Otherwise, though, it's just average. Bang, bang, a boom. I enjoyed this one much better than the previous Christmas parody of The One Doctor. I got most of the jokes and Star Trek references. The Eurovision song contest nods were lost on me for the most part, although I still found it fun. This is also notable for being the first time Big Finish used the appropriate Doctor Who theme variant for the featured Doctor. Your idea of the Doctor telling this story to Mel is an interesting one. Side Trip 13 and the Sylvester interview was very enjoyable. Based on this and your comments in the next episode, you make him sound a bit like Yoda both in the fun, mischievous Empire Strikes Back way and the bounce-off-the-walls dueling Yoda from Attack of the Clones. This leads into episode 168 and Planet Comic Con 2014. I enjoyed your coverage of the con. It was rather enjoyable. Your discussion, if it can be called that, of the concept of Cant Con had me laughing hysterically. Also appreciated Sean's involvement in the Trek panel with the entire TNG cast, minus Patrick Stewart, and John DeLancey. Also enjoyable, although I don't have any comments, were the fan show interviews from episode 169. Episode 170. It's a shame that we lost Kate O'Mara before she could join Big Finish. However, I enjoyed the two stories featuring her successor. I've gotten to point, episode 183, where you recount the story of the Ranny appearing in Big Finish. Behind Did the you just say the Ranny? The Ranny. <laughs> okay. My brain translates things weird when I read them. If I if I, if I, if I'm no, I'm going to talk about the Ronnie. Then it's the Ronnie. But if I read it, it's Ranny. Oh, I don't okay. know why. Okay. Every time I look at my DVD shelf, time in the Ranny. I don't know. 
That's um, why you say kinda instead of kinda. Too. You got it. And war doctor instead of master, or war chief instead of master. And Legopolis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a throwback. Behind the sofa. I do one every once in a while. Everyone. <laughs> it's never, never read it, though it's a nice concept. Moving on to The Mutants. I remember this one, but it's been a while. It was enjoyable, and the main villain was well played. Kind of reminds me of Nero and the Romans a little bit. The transformation was meh, and the real-world politics were laid on rather thick. As for Spear of Destiny, the Puffin Third Doctor ebook, I remember enjoying it too, but much time has passed to remember many details. Right, so other comments. Something that occurred to me recently, and I thought you guys might enjoy discussing. Do you think they would ever recast Susan Foreman, the Doctor's granddaughter? Now, I enjoy Carol Ann Ford in the part. I think she's done marvelously and should definitely be retained for any First Doctor stories. I know that Claudia Grant from An Adventure in Time and Space has appeared in the David Bradley box sets, but she's still playing the Carol Ann Ford incarnation. What I'm talking about is whether Big Finish or even the TV series, although that possibility is extremely thin, should debut a new incarnation of Susan. I would assume that the Susan we saw in the 60s was her first, and thus we could potentially see a regeneration on audio, perhaps as part of the Time War. Just food for thought. I would love to see that. As much as I would like to have Caroline Ford back in the TV series, if it's a new, that's that would be a new way to continue the character of Susan. Yeah, I'd prefer to see Caroline Ford back first. Yeah, but yeah, and I'd be okay with that on TV to regenerate into a new version of Susan. I, sure. I say I, I think I'd like both. I think we do a, a Caroline Ford returns, and they have some great adventures, and then she regenerates. I think that would be. Yep. Just just what you said. Exactly. Yep. That'd be the way to do it. Even if it's on big finish, I'd be I'd be okay with that too. So long as it, Carol Ann Ford is there to, you know, pave the path. And yeah. that kind of also knows we get her stamp of approval. Hand off the baton. On the whole thing. It's we don't want a, you know, beginning of the seventh doctor situation. <laughs> Finally, while on the subject of season one, I'd love for you guys to watch slash rewatch all of season one from an unearthly child through Reign of Terror, and then do a review discussion of the season as a whole with focus on watching it in order as opposed to jumping around. What concepts, aliens, locations, etc. from the season would you like to see return? Personally, I'd like to see the Vord return to TV with the same look, maybe an updated storyline. They've also shown up in a couple of Big Finish stories and Titan comics recently. I'd like to see the Sensorites show up, either on TV or audio, and have their relation to the Ood explored. As far as sequels to historical goes, I wouldn't mind seeing a later Doctor meeting an older Marco Polo, or perhaps a sequel to the Aztecs in the form of something to do with the Spanish conquests. So, that's it for now. Hopefully I've given you guys plenty to talk about here. Glad you're back from hiatus. Yeah, I know, it's a bit late. Keep up the great work, Jamie. I'd say ditto on all those suggestions from season one on oh, yeah, what I'd absolutely. like to see. Those are all actually great suggestions. I think the Vord is definitely because you you wouldn't you have don't to... like the Vord. Shut up. Yeah, but I'm... <laughs> no, that's not. No, he didn't like. Marinus. He didn't like the Vord. I, I didn't like he's a Marinus. So I liked the Vord. <laughs> I think the Vord is no, because a... you complained about the Vord in that uh, comic series as well. No, I didn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> All right. 
I think the Void is a very interesting one that you could do, and he's right. You wouldn't have to really update the look all that no, much. No, you wouldn't. It, it's almost a guy in a motorcycle helmet kind of thing. I mean, it's, with a thing on top. Yeah, just got a and got flippers. A, he's got a dealy bob. <laughs> flippers. Didn't um, they have flippers? I don't think they had flippers. Did they? Oh. I don't know. I didn't like them, so I apparently didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, black-clad villains, the faceless, you know, dealy bobbers. Yeah, that's kind of a, that's a very Doctor Who idea. Yeah. So I, I, and, it, and it would work. I think it would be something that you could. You know who I don't know if would work for a sequel? Bringing the Daleks back. I don't know. I think those were a one-trick pony. Yeah. The... <laughs> I think you think they had flippers because they were wearing like scuba suits. Yeah, I but think they so. Did. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe they did have flippers. Maybe oh, just, they did have flippers. Maybe just the Keith. ones that came out of the water. Keith, you're right. They had flippers. <laughs> hey, all right. Score one for Keith. I don't know about a sequel to the Aztecs. I kind of... I mean, maybe you could do another something in that time frame. It'd be nice to have kind of a an eminence conquest story where the Doctor is kind of impotent to do anything. Kind of like when we had like the seventh doctor uh vulcan story mm, yeah fires of vulcan for pompeii that would have something like that where it's a fixed point they can't do anything about landing it. landing in a village and but, knowing the spanish conquistadors are on their way yeah and especially uh 12th doctor story that could be pretty powerful considering her track record already with the historicals not right. 12th 13th you know what i meant i know what you meant we know yeah. what you meant you did it. You pulled a Glenn. I did. Very good. All right. Well, let's move on to this week's reviews. Classic Doctor's New Monsters. Fallen Angels. 2015. When sightseers Joel and Gabby Finch encounter a strange man in Edwardian cricketing garb in the Sistine Chapel, their honeymoon is suddenly takes a terrifying turn. 1511. <coughs> Michelangelo has commissioned to create some very special sculptures by a mysterious sect. But as he carves, angels seem to emerge fully formed from the rock, almost as if they were alive. From Michelangelo's workshop to the catacombs of Rome, the fifth doctor must keep his wits about him and his eyes wide open as he confronts the weeping angels. This is one I enjoyed. It's, it's a nice, you know... It's not that different from Blink, and that's probably to its detriment, but I enjoyed the different setting, although the resolution is kind of my sticking point on the, the whole story. I feel bad coming down on this, because I, I genuinely like the Weeping Angels, but I cringe a little bit every time I go into a story that I know features them, because I'm worried that they're just going to run down the magic of these things, and... Angels. See, I, I think this utilizes the angels well. But, see, I, I, I don't think it did anything different than Blink. I no. Think it's, it's pretty much identical to Blink. They didn't push the envelope. They didn't do anything different from, the, you know, the angels' perspective. And they kind of just hit the same beats and the same motions. And, the you know, the, there, there's the main person that's been displaced in time. Then there's somebody else displaced in time. And there's a threat for somebody else to be displaced in time. And... And the doctor's there to fix it. Well, it, I, it I just, think... Okay, but what else can you... And we're going to trap them with mirrors at the end. 
I think what the difference is they they added the sect of the three angels of these priests that have you know the angels have kind of influenced their minds and I think I thought that was a nice new introduction to carry the story forward and a little bit differently and the fact that you know we can kind of complained in time of angels flesh and stone or whatever those the two-parter in fifth doctor or in uh, the fifth season that they didn't keep to the status quo and what they tried to do didn't quite work as well and that each time that they came back they tried to do something differently and it didn't quite work well even so the, that's why i think they would have gone back to the original even in angels take manhattan they sort of stepped back to the blink, blink ideal they, of, they did more so with that right, one yeah right I agree. the 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 best parts of this are the the cult uh, around the angels, and the idea that these things <laughs> fell into the earth and got, you know, stuck in a block of marble for years <laughs> and years and years, and then Michelangelo. That really fit with the setting. That was a, an intriguing. Okay, you could have done a whole episode with that. That was great. That I was really intrigued by. But instead, that was used as window dressing so that they could change the setting of Blink. And it was, uh, I just, I, that was the wrong way to go with it for me. And I, I, again, I feel bad because I feel like I'm dogging on every Peter Davidson story that comes out. And I don't mean to, but he, I don't know. He just didn't, this, this was not a good match for me. I, I you're, didn't feel it. You're not wrong at all. And I because I I felt like it was very much echoes of blink, but I also agree with Keith that I think that there was enough fleshing this out differently, giving us just little added details to it that I didn't love this story at all. Um but I thought it was fine. You know, it was it was a fine story. You're going to do classic monsters. I've kind of always liked the angels and and the approach to them. But I, I, I kind of agree. I think it gave me just enough that I didn't feel like it was a complete retread. But you're absolutely right. There are a lot of echoes of what they did with Blink, especially uh, what's the, the, the servant guy that ends up going back into the past. And then he's old yeah. when they when they show up there. And uh, there was a lot of that. I think my only problem really with the story is I didn't quite understand why they can't go back to their own time. I don't quite understand the fact that because they recognized the events that had happened, if they go back, that it would suddenly snap back and and, and uh, uh, Michelangelo would be gone again, would be missing again in time. I don't, I'm, not, I'm just not sure I quite understood that. It felt like they were almost trying to shoo in an explanation of why the doctor couldn't back, go back and get Amy and Rory. Well, but <laughs> like they were trying to retcon that aspect of it with these two characters. That one made sense though because they had set up a paradox in the past by jumping off the building but ended up surviving because it had they had pretty much rubber banded themselves back right. to where they yeah. had started from. So they they created an infinite paradox there that they became part of. <coughs> and because they had escaped that paradox, once they were sent back to that time from the present, they were trapped there because they were now within, they were part of the paradox. The, the, the What they did effectively, rubber band shot them out of the paradox, pulled them out of the paradox. And the paradox still existed. But unfortunately, when the angel touched them in the, in the graveyard, 
it basically snapped them back into the paradox and they became a part of it. So that's why he couldn't go back and rescue them. I thought sort of the same thing is that's what where they I thought that's where they were going with this, mm. but they didn't establish the paradox, the paradox this time. They it was a it was almost as though because they yes, they were part of the events that that took them back. I guess the point is they wouldn't be in the spot because the statues would actually the statue of Moses would still be there so they couldn't be transported back. So that if they were in the present, they would continue and that would be a paradox. Now, why he couldn't just take them five days after that's the event. What, that, that's it's my the, problem that's with That's the it. same argument it, with Amy not, and Rory. Why well, couldn't he go a year later to go pick them up? Yeah, well, that's true. And you argued that before when we, right. when we talked yeah. about that. I recall you saying that. Other than old man Rory, I suppose, is the one ex- exception. Because the script called for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the doctor makes a very weak sauce explanation of I have to go close the loop and you can't be there to kind of feed into that paradox idea. Yeah. But I had the same problem. It was like, well, you guys get to go home after this. It'll be kind of a cool little, you know, cool little honeymoon. And, oh, no, you have to stay here. Why? Yeah, I just, didn't, I just didn't buy why they needed to stay. And, it, again, this is one of those things that falls back on the problem with the angels in general, which is they zap you back in time and they feed on the the potential future that you would have had. Okay. But, but you still get to have a future. But, yeah, you still get to live all your days. You're just living them in a different time frame. So right. how is that really a bad thing? And what happens if a guy got zapped and then got zapped in the past and then got zapped in that past? Could, could you wind up time traveling all the way back to prehistory with a really vengeful angel that just really wants to feed on you? I don't know. In That's... theory. Yeah, but don't you get the impression the the angels don't travel in time? Yeah, no, no they don't be, go backwards. So they would a, they wouldn't know. It would have to be a different angel yeah. that that you, that you encountered. And I mean, depending on the age of the angel, the, the chances it could be that the, happening are very high. Well, it would or, have it, you'd have to low. you'd have to create the uh, the nursery. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the, the exactly. angel nursery where they bring yeah. people in and they 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 set them down there so that the babies can feed on them. Yes, yes. And the irony of that paradox then being created from the fact that, well, they're going to get set back in time, but they're still in that same location where there's still baby angels, which is the one that grew up to grab him and bring him back. You right, know? right. See, that to me is a more interesting thing. Than <laughs> well, there, there's your next short That's, story. There's so. the next one. But I, I don't know. It just, oh, well, I guess we'll go live in Florence. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I can think of worse things. I mean, <laughs> Don't pull out that cell phone again. (laughs) (laughs) That was the other thing. It was a bit wrong. Was she kept getting that signal, that weird, that like like, no signal, signal sound? Yeah, you you wouldn't even get that. No, it'd just (laughs) be nothing. Anything, it'd be just dead. (laughs) I think my biggest problem with the story is the resolution. I okay, yeah, the mirrors are a nice stopgap, but. That's not a permanent solution. Well, the permanent solution was encasing them in cement. I guess, yeah, I guess they that, were going to do that. That was ultimately but, what, because yeah. it's what uh, uh, Michelangelo says, is, that, well, you know, they used the stuff in, to, was it the Pantheon yeah, that true. they used? To, so they, so they, yeah. the, the mirrors just have to stay until they can put the cement in. Right. So they were going to flood those catacombs with cement. Yeah, that's see, true. to me, that's not a that's not a solution. No, I got the impression that mirrors were just going to be 
encased as well. So like everything. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> uh, it's a little little flip it throwaway if you ask me, but because I mean, okay, what's what's a better you know prison cell for an angel? Concrete or forming a block of marble around them with geologic tectonic pressure. Well, I think marble's more, you know, Right, well, but they be, escaped but, from that. So yeah, the concrete they, well, that was, is that like... That was hey, my thought. Yeah. What happens in 500 years when they decide to dig up the catacombs underneath the Sistine Chapel, you know? I mean, then they set some their, record of them. They set like, themselves up as a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose that's true. So Dalek Invasion Earth, they come and they blow it up, and the Dalek uncovers the angel and gets sent back in time. Ooh. There's another story. <laughs> You're welcome, Big Finish. <laughs> Sean's going to write that one, too. Uh, I did like the fact that they didn't make the angels talk at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like they did with Flesh and Stone. Yeah. The time of the time. Which, in that instance, was fine. I just didn't want that to happen again. Yeah. Well, well, they, they did away with that for Angels Take Manhattan, too. So. That's true. And Touched by an Angel. Touched by an Angel was good. And this kind of has a similar... A lot of, I mean, there's not only so many things you can do with the angels in general. Right, so exactly. uh, the angels of what was the comic? Well, the one is set in World War Two with uh, yeah. World War One. Oh, it was World War One, yeah. With, yeah, uh, with the tenth Gabby doctor, and the tenth doctor. Mm-hmm. That was really good. That was really. That good. was really good. But again, that one did something different. So yeah, yeah. I said it's it's not that it was bad. It just just kind of laid there. I did like the. Um, the, the little name drops, the things like, you know, the Doctor, once again, knowing everybody in history uh, <laughs> and admonishing the husband for, um, no, you can't give him ideas. You can't. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed to do that. You can't create sandwiches. I already created sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> and then the, you uh, can't create the sandwich. Why? Because I already did. It's not a straightforward linear progression cause and effect. It's more like a. One day I'll think of an ending for that. Yeah, I'll think of it. Yep. I like that. So those touches were nice. There's also something a little meta about David Tennant's father-in-law doing a Weeping Angel story. Yeah. I think that's a large reason why they chose the Fifth Doctor. Probably. All right, well, shall we move on to the next one? Jadoon in Chains. The Sixth Doctor is no stranger to courtroom drama but faces a very different challenge when he prepares to defend the most unusual Jadoon. After an environmental clearance mission goes wrong, Captain Kaibo of the 19th Jadoon Interplanetary Force is stranded in Victorian England, bound in change, an exhibit in a circus show. But he has allies, Eliza Jenkins, known to audiences as Thomasina Thumb, and the larger-than-life clown in the colorful coat. Uncovering a trial of injustice and corruption, the Doctor and Kaibo soon find themselves on trial for their lives. Did I miss her actually being referred to as Thomasina Thumb? Yeah, that's what she yeah. said, her stage name. That's Thomasina. what her, yeah. Huh. Okay, I, I missed that one. Because of her short then. stature. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I you like this one? I liked uh, this one. I didn't much care for it. <laughs> was it because it was Jadoon? <laughs> No, no, no. I've, I've kind of made my peace with the Jadoon being anthropomorphized. Uh, At least they kind of called it out, the two in this one. The rhino form. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they they, <laughs> they took it and ran with it. I was fine with that. <laughs> I, you know, just, I, I, 
the trappings of this one were just it, it felt retread and lazy I mean it was June ends up on earth in Victorian times and of course it's going to end up in a you know sideshow as a freak and I I don't know it was just it, it was a bit predictable until we got to what had changed this particular tune. I, cause I th- that was clever. I kind of liked that. I liked these sentient beans, bean, beans, and I liked the the reveal that the Genesis Corporation was basically going to, uh, you know, uh, commit genocide on this planet. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But the the Jadun, they're they're always very clunky. I mean, it's just there's they're to me they're very one dimensional. There's not a lot you can do with them. They utilized that to their purpose in this, but it's you know. Well, they took one of them and started making them. Act, they kind of address the fact that they're one dimensional characters, and then start giving depth to some of them. They, well, to and this, that's what this in, particular that's what I one. I think it got a little silly when they started. I mean. I, I see where they went with it, but to, to have this like this sect or this clan now that can't go live with the Jadun because you know it, it's not the Jadun way. They're, they've broadened their minds. They've broadened their minds. They're going to go and be this you know little sect of Jadun, uh, either on that planet with the um, little beings that they saved, or they're going to be on the moon of <laughs> just to set up that stupid <coughs> alliteration. Uh, it wasn't even a little alliteration; it was a, more of a rhyming scheme but i i don't well, know that I mean, was po- it was guys... directly pulled from the jadoon episode wasn't it was it what well, wasn't it was david jadoon tennant say something, something on about the jadoon on the moon yeah platoon on the moon yeah and this was, was that in that episode that yeah. makes sense uh well, I, what, well this was a variation commune yeah it was a variation commune yes yeah yes yes anyway it was a reference that's what that was the point though is they 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 that was forced. I mean, they just they, they they did it in such a way that it was like, oh, look what we did, and it was yeah, okay. It was a, yeah, but was it any more forced than sappy, wibbly wobbly, wibbly wobbly? Yeah. yeah, no, it wasn't. And I thought that was silly too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it was just it, it wasn't a bad story. And I don't want to besmirch it too much. I think the the problem that I have with both of these stories is so far it's proven to me that it's gimmick. It's gimmick is all it is. And, and and that's fine for them to do that. I, I think it's okay, especially if they're trying to attract uh, people that maybe are only new series fans and they might be familiar with these, you know, monsters and they think, okay, well, I'll go to the... So so I'm okay with them doing it, but it's just, it really feeds into that. This just really feels like doing it to be doing it instead of doing it with a purpose. Mm. Uh, so far, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll prove me wrong with further stories. But that's what it's really feeling like. And this one, this one really nailed that uh, feeling for me. That we're just it's a bit gimmicky. See, I thought this one felt a little less gimmicky than the Angel one because the Angel one was so similar to Blink, and this one takes the Jadoon in a direction we've never seen them before. So it didn't feel like a gimmick to me. This felt like doing something different with the Jadoon because they can do something different. But they can't. Well, but, but they did. But they couldn't. That they they couldn't without this one element that was introduced. Well, yeah, I but mean, that's not, coming up with a new way to it, do something it, different. It, it is, but it, you could have done that with any, any, any creature, any monster. You could have. Well, you yeah, could have you made could have up done, a monster. So I mean, my my point was is it could have been any monster that would have been influenced, or any simple-minded being or species that would have been influenced by this. And so 
it, it didn't have to be, did you do? And that's the problem well, that I have with it. it. It's the next-gen episode, I Borg. We get one Borg that is infected with humanity and suddenly becomes self-aware and knows who he is and all this kind of stuff. And then they think, well, let's send him back to the collective and see who else he will infect with this, you know, newfound feelings. Of, I don't want to kill my friends. And it works to an extent. And then the Borg cut the rest of them off and you've got a separate group that shows up later in another movie. The difference is it doesn't work in Next Gen because while it's a great concept, the Borg don't need a human face. The Borg are great because they're the mindless, drone, relentless, you know, Cybermen-styled army. The Jadoon, we've only got the one episode of them, so you can take that one-dimensionality and do something different with it. And every, every complaint that I had about the Angels episode is not present here because they did do something different with it. What? Two episodes. Oh, well, yeah, they do mention the Shadow Proclamation, which that surprised me that they brought that up because I was kind of under the impression that the Shadow Proclamation was put in place once the time war happened and Gallifrey disappeared, that this was kind of what was put in place by everybody else holding the bag that going. Is, yeah, that's what I got from that, too. Uh, that was kind of surprising. Okay, I guess. We'll, but then they mentioned it, so I was like, okay. Yeah. But the Sixth Doctor is that. the Sixth Doctor, so, you know, he's, of course, going to be in the know on everything. But just, I, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the fact that they went, was it a little particular? Well, yeah, sure it was. I mean, we're in a, we're in a circus environment, so, you know, okay. It kind of felt like a, a retread on that um, story where uh, Chariz ends up getting sold to, uh, or not sold, but taken by a, uh, yeah, a little bit. sideshow. Yeah. So I kind of felt like that had already been done before as well. <laughs> The sideshow aspect definitely was a trope. It was just the, the, the growth of Kaibo is the part that I, I thoroughly enjoyed and was surprised by. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I think it's it, Elephant Man or Pinocchio or, yeah, yeah. or any of those. It, it's definitely a trope. I think what surprised me about the story was I was a little worried that Jadun had been an adversary but never really a villain. And I was worried they were going to make the Jadun a villain. Yeah, I'm and glad I was, that they did I was glad they yeah. didn't, yeah. Yeah. And they, this, they stuck to established storyline, as as it, which was I was very pleased <coughs> with. They did they didn't they didn't break things. Kind of like they almost felt like they did with the uh, Flesh and Stone and and, uh, and Time of Angels two parter. Is we kind of felt like they broke the mythos yeah. by doing that. And uh, in this sense, I was afraid that they were going to do the same thing, and they didn't. So yeah, I I just I. I'm, it it feeds back into the anthropomorphized rhino because they're huge and hulking and armored and, you know, we get the gigantic boot steps as they go anywhere and everywhere, which was almost overdone. And so then to flip that on its head and we've got one reciting poetry. The absurdity of that is just, yeah, of course, because why not, you know? He's going to go and be checking out daisies next and, and, and the beauty of nature and because that's what you do with a big hunking, you know, clunking thing. But I just felt it was handled in such a way that it really worked. And while the courtroom setting, eh, okay, does it have to be Victorian Earth? Well, no, but it was. I think mainly just because of the... Um, I think they were purposely going for the Elephant Man aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think that was kind of the, the, the illusion that they were going for. Yeah. Um, and it gave the Sixth Doctor an opportunity to play litigator, which he does very well. I mean, he, he Colin Baker's a fantastic orator, 
and so okay we're going to give you some grandstanding and some speeches and that kind of stuff and then the reveal that oh we pulled one over on you we're actually on the home planet of the this and you're required you know that was a cool uh, a cool twist reveal there um although you you talk predictable <laughs> new genesis was in on it from the very get-go <laughs> oh we're gonna go terraform this planet you're a bad guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right right off the bat yeah, yeah. no not yeah, so there much. was there was no surprise there that that was the case and who was attacking the ship duh <laughs> <You know? laughs> but i just i had so much fun with kaibo that I, I i was willing to just kind of skate by on everything else yeah i don't care i'm having i'm having a good time so for me it worked really really well i didn't hate it it just it felt like a it felt, <coughs> it felt a little too gimmicky and tropish for me so and that was the first one for me that that one really oh we're gonna do angel mm, okay <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything else? I don't think so. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule. Whoops, did I close it? I must have closed it. Stand by and I will pull up the schedule. Oh, we're going to do the second half of this box <laughs> set, obviously. Um, with Harvest of the Sycorax. I knew the Sycorax, and then. Um, it is the Santor- Santarin Ordeal. Which I'm gonna call shenanigans on that. The the fact that this is new monsters, classic dice like the Santarans are not new. Nope. Maybe this version, maybe it's a new clone batch, and you're gonna work in all of the new things that we've learned about them. But that's it's a Dan Starkey Santarin. Yeah, it's new series. It's it's it's, it's still uh, <laughs> splitting hairs. It's like trying of. to put the Cybermen in one of these. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you could really if you're gonna go that route. Or, uh, Silurians, yeah. The, the, the thank you. <laughs> I thought of it and then my brain seized up. Um, we were going with these instead of these. I'm, like, eh. I'm kind of hoping there'll be a bit of a surprise for that one since I because I read the same thing. I was like, well, that's not a classic, mo- or that's that's not a uh, new monster, that's a classic monster. We'll see, we'll see. But we're doing that uh, uh, next week and then uh, Christmas. We're doing Christmas next week? We're doing Christmas the following week. Oh, the following week. It's about that time of year. About that time of year. It's the most wonderful time. Has anybody lost Whamageddon yet? I have. I, I honestly, I, thought, I just thought of it the other day. I honestly can't say that I've heard it yet. I haven't yet. I'm still in. <laughs> I thought for sure they were going to get me at the mall. I thought so too. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I sat down, Shy ran off to play, and I heard Christmas music. I thought, "Oh my God, what am I doing?" The, 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 and it, it, there's a chance that it is played in my presence, but I haven't wasn't aware of it. If you're not aware of it, it doesn't count. Okay, so, you have right. you have to recognize the song, and then you're out. Right, but. right. All right. Well, uh, be sure to check out our website because there you'll find the. Uh, uh, schedule posted and you can keep up with us and <laughs> you can get updates on this podcast and while you're there you can click on Patreon on the Patreon link and uh, become a patron and consider consider supporting us there and thank you if you already are and remember you can send feedback and comments to feedback at travelingthevortex.com or by clicking on the send feedback link on the website until next time I'm Glenn I'm Sean I'm Keith cheers send your Jadoon poetry to us be seeing you You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.